If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the home edition of Truth Wanted. I am your host, Objectively Dan, and joining me from the state of Idaho, Unholy Sarah is online with me. Hello, Sarah. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, Folks, the ACA is currently closed to the public, so our hardworking volunteers that have been working a lot of hours figured out this home solution. And that's what we're doing right now. So I am recording this from my apartment. I got my microphone in front of me. uh, And we're just going to keep doing the show as far as we uh, can keep doing it. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be like this probably for the next couple of weeks. So just kind of expect it to be like this. But we're going to keep going. So anyway, if this is your first time joining the show, this is a show where we talk to people about what they believe and why. I know Matt Dillahunty is actually... Uh, live streaming this, I think, on his Twitch or somewhere. I don't know. So in case you guys are watching for the first time, welcome. Uh, this is a show, again, where you can call in and talk to us about whatever you want. If you want, Look, if you want to talk to us about if you think the coronavirus is a hoax, I mean, I'll disagree with you, but I'll talk to you about it. Um, alien abductions, religious beliefs, whatever. Uh, one thing I need to make clear at the top of the show is the number that's on the screen is actually the regular number that we use, but we're using a different system tonight. So uh, if you're watching this live, somebody can post that in the chat um, and and I'll have the uh, number up for you shortly here, Uh, but there is going to be a different number. So again, if you're watching this, hopefully somebody can post it. It's on my Twitter and I'll have it pulled up to read off to you in just a second. But regardless, uh, once I get that figured out, I, I first want to introduce Unholy Sarah. Sarah has been making... YouTube for uh, making YouTube videos for a little bit now. And she's got some really interesting stuff. Sarah, what do you do on YouTube? And uh, yeah, tell us about your channel. Hi, um, I do uh, some stuff about like religion and part aspects of religious aspects of religion that I see as harmful. Some things are a little bit more about politics or social issues. I talk about just whatever I think is important to me at the time. Um, but that's like the bulk of what I talk about. Yeah. And uh, I've seen some of your stuff. I think you're a really awesome voice on the platform and stuff. I'm really glad you're putting stuff out there um, for people to see. Okay. So uh, hopefully you guys should go check out our channel when we're done uh, with this conversation here. So first thing I got to ask you, uh, how have you been dealing with the virus? Because we've all got our own little 
coping mechanisms, right? I feel lucky to have a lot to do still. Uh, I, I'm in school and school just switched to online, obviously, and it's mm -hmm. been an adjustment, but I'm glad that I have stuff to focus on so I don't have to focus on how crazy everything is because like I already deal with enough anxiety without this. So I'm just yeah. like, gotta have school to focus on. So I'll tell you this. So I, some of you guys know, I lost my job in December and I started working again in February. And the job that I do right now without saying too much is I, I do, uh, in part, I deliver goods to places. And so every day I've been going to grocery stores, I've been going to convenience stores, and I've just been seeing the foods kind of come and go on the shelves, which is really interesting. And the really interesting thing is I hear so many people talk about the virus, like everybody's talking about it all the time. And I start to hear people's kind of ideas about it. So I heard the story about how some author wrote a story where a, a virus came out of China a few years ago and people were talking about that. Uh, I've heard that the coronavirus is a bioweapon uh, from China. I've heard that the virus was designed by the Democratic Party to make Trump look bad. Like I've heard everything you could possibly think of and it's all garbage. It's all really bad, but um, you know, people are relying on what they can get as far as information goes. They're just looking at Facebook and stuff and they're not really checking the facts. Although I do think more people are probably looking at the news now more than ever. So maybe, you know, that's a plus, but yeah, it's, it's kind of been strange, but I don't want to talk. I mean, if somebody calls and wants to talk about it, I will talk about it. I don't plan on talking about it myself for the next few weeks. Cause it's like, I don't know. I hear everybody talking about it all the time. That's kind of a bummer, you know? So, uh, yeah, if you have thoughts on it or you want to share your experiences, go ahead and, and feel free to call in. And that number, uh, is on the lower third. Now it's five, one, two, nine, nine, one, nine, two, uh, four, two. So, uh, if you want to call, please go ahead and call that line. Again, we're using a different system tonight, so we're going to see how it goes. But, yeah, thanks for joining us for this special home edition of Truth Wanted. It's kind of like a fireside chat almost, except I have an apartment. I don't have, like, a fireplace, but uh, that'd be cool. Maybe next time we do it, I can get, like, a background, a little fire. Um, so, anyway, Sarah, you're on YouTube. You're doing stuff. Uh, what's going on? What's been on your channel lately? Um, well, last week was, what was my last video? I have a terrible memory. Um, <sighs> but it's been, um, recently I talked about a video Paul and Morgan had put out and taught that went into a two part. It was the first time I talked about Paul and Morgan, um, and about the issues with, um, how religion tends to slut shame people and shame people into this nice little neat bubble of sexuality because that's something that bothers me a lot. Um, this upcoming week, I'm torn between a couple of topics. Yeah. Yeah, got a lot of different projects and stuff. I get it. I hope people have more time. I, I'm, I don't know because I don't make a living off of YouTube. You know, I do this, uh, I'm a volunteer with the ACA. This is all uh, a, pretty much a volunteer effort. Uh, and so I wonder what YouTubers who do this full time, and I, and I know some, I, I should be asking them, but like how, I wonder if that revenue has changed at all as far as like, are people leaving on Patreon? Are people watching more videos because they have more time? 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting to look at the aftermath of all of this. Um, yeah, I, I did see somebody on Patreon talking about um, not charging for the month because um, they know everyone's like dealing with, or a lot of people are dealing with losing their jobs. And by the way, since my memory went totally blank, and that is because of nerves. I apologize for that. I just went and looked. It was the idea that there's no hope in atheism that I talked about last week. I also recently talked about uh, suicide prevention awareness, which I think is a very important topic, especially yes. right now. With oh, my gosh. Being inside. Yes, especially right now. I mean, it's just so important to have a support system, have someone you mm -hmm. can talk to. And, hey, if you're – want to talk to us like we're totally cool with that lines are open uh and uh yeah like definitely if not us right probably not us as a support system because we'll just talk to you for like you know whatever the duration of the show is and then we got to go but like you know it's good to figure out who's out there checking in on people seeing if they're okay because for me right now um i'm just i've been going to work and going home and just going to bed like there's just not much else to do and it sucks it really does suck but that's uh, just the world that we live in now. It's going to be strange when we get out of this. I wonder, will people learn from this experience? Like, what are people going to get out of it? My hope is that people will become more kind and empathetic to each other. And my hope also is that people will trust the expertise of people who have been studying these kinds of things for years more so than, you know, maybe traditional medicines. But I don't know. That's not really based on any hard data. That's just a hope that I have. What do you think, Sarah, that some of the changes might be when we get out of this? I don't know. I keep hearing people talk about how things aren't going to just go back to normal. Mm. And that actually, that scares me a little bit just because, you know, fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. But um, I do kind of hope some things will change for the better. Um, right now I've seen, especially on like local stuff online people just helping each other out a lot um helping each other find stuff because the grocery stores are insane right now mm -hmm. um, and i hope that we can maintain that sense of community i don't know if it's been like that in other places or if it's just because the town i live in isn't like exactly a big city but um i hope we can maintain that that sort of sense of helping each other as just a human race yeah i hope so too oh by the way i did joke on twitter uh, that this is a Tiger King fan cast. And I kind of want to make that the reality. If you want to call and talk about Tiger King, that's cool too. Um, but yeah, that show, that show will keep your mind off of things going on because there's a lot of crazy things going on in that show that uh, definitely cannot completely summarize in <laughs> an introduction here. But uh, yeah, just trying to find new stuff. It's like, man, I have the internet and, do you feel this too? It's like, I, I feel like there's nothing to watch, even though that's stupid because there's totally tons of things to watch. But I also, at the same time, I feel guilty about watching because I feel like, oh, I have this time now to like improve myself. Like I should be reading more books or something else. I did start reading a book on my Kindle the other day and I want to finish that, but I don't know. It's, it's like I need a project or something outside of the show, obviously, because uh, yeah, it might, might drive me crazy. Yeah, and I, I think part of feeling like there's nothing to watch when there's a ton to watch is just finding something that properly occupies your mind when there's um, so much that wants to be running through it. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, don't feel too guilty about not doing other things because it's 
a crazy time to be in and you can't push yourself to do what a time what you can do. Yeah, yeah. definitely a, a crazy, crazy time. Um, but I'm glad that I keep, uh, get to keep doing this show and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad everybody else out there, uh, watching this is here too. Uh, so I have a couple calls here, so I'm ready to get started. If you're ready to get started here, Sarah. Yep. All right, cool. Oh, and also I gotta say I, using this different setup is funny. Cause it's like, it's, uh, clicking on hyperlinks and stuff. It's not using the same physical, but so it's like, if I ever want to drop a call, it's not the same visceral feeling of smashing a button i have to like double click on a hyperlink and that's just that's just not great so smash on your mouse yeah because i i drop so many calls on this show right but um anyway the <laughs> first thing i want to get to is talking to uh david here in new jersey and we're gonna see if this works here hey david you are live on truth wanted what's going on hey dan hey sir how are you guys Yay, it works. Hey, David, we're doing just fine, I guess. Just hold up here in my place. So how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm still alive, so that's good, right? Cool. Yeah, for sure. So you you uh, have an interesting thing I think you want to talk about, the HCID classification when it comes to COVID-19. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah. Um, are you familiar at all with that or no? To be honest, I'm not a hundred percent. I, if you ask me what that acronym is, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so you, you'd have to probably okay, tell sure. me. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I just googled it. I found out myself. It's not like I'm an expert in this stuff by any means. But um, <clears throat> uh, the UK government has a classification system, I guess, and it's an acronym. And uh, what what they it is is it, it stands for uh, high consequence infectious diseases (HCID). Okay. Okay. So probably like a month or so ago, early on, maybe a, more, a little more than that, they had classified, the UK government, this is, had classified COVID-19 or coronavirus as a highly consequential infectious disease. So comes to um, March 19th, and they updated the status, they changed the status of COVID-19 from uh, HCID to, uh, and this is exactly what it reads, it says, as of March 19, 2020, COVID-19 is no longer considered to be a high-consequence infectious disease. And I was just wondering, you know, um, you know, there's a few other things I could bring up also that are interesting, but, um, you know, uh, as far as what the definition of a HCID is, um, basically they say it would uh, include acute infectious disease, typically has a high case fatality rate, may not have effective prophylaxis or treatment, often difficult to recognize and detect rapidly, um, ability to spread in the community and within healthcare settings, and requires an enhanced individual population and system response to ensure it is managed effectively, efficiently, and safely. So they no longer think any of those things apply to COVID-19. And huh. this is coming from the UK government. Now, did they put out a statement as to why that they uh, decided to do away with that classification? Um, you know, uh, I honestly, I have probably not done more than just, you know, look into, you know, what they actually stated. I had other information prior to this that, you know, just from my understanding of how the world works, and I'm highly mm -hmm. skeptical of governments and mainstream media news, as I know, is probably the opposite, I think, of, of probably how you view things. I hate to say it. But 
um, you know, for me, right from the beginning, I auto-hoax this thing. And, um, you know, now it's coming to light that, you know, there's another information. Are you, feel, are you familiar with Niels Ferguson? Neil Ferguson? Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, Neil yeah. Ferguson, yeah. Yeah, are you familiar that he revised his own, his own projections recently? Uh, no, I, I'm not familiar with that, but that wouldn't surprise me. He had a, he had a massive, massive revision. He had initially, I think it was somewhere along the lines of one to two million potential deaths from the COVID-19, from, from coronavirus. Uh, his new revision is up to 20,000 deaths. 20,000? Orders of magnitude. Yes. 20,000, huh. he said, and it may not even reach that. Talking worldwide or just talking like in the country? Uh, I think that might have, you know, I'm not sure. I can't re- recall whether that was in the United States or whether that was. Uh, hold on one second. Let me see if I can find it. Whatever it was applying to, his original projection for wherever it was, was one to two million. And his new projection is now up to, like, the highest would be 20,000. So what do you think that so means? Not, do you think that means there's a conspiracy going on? Or do you think that's just a revision of, of projections after new data's come out? Well, listen, man. Um, people aren't working. Uh-huh. Nobody's working. Um, um, somebody in your comments just said he just looked it up he did not retract his projection down I didn't say he retracted his original projection by the way I said he revised it so you know people are putting words into my mouth okay Um, well David with that said though go ahead okay Okay. yeah with that said um, you know I called a number of police stations uh, in New Jersey today and uh, you know I did a live stream on my channel and you know, I asked the police, I said, you know, um, according to the First Amendment in the United States, we have freedom of assembly, right? And yet they're saying that they are busting people who are having parties for, mm. up, you know, 50 people or 10 people, right? As, as not, you know, not allowing uh, to have people have these, you know, uh, uh, you know assemble, people assemble. Sure. So uh, sure. I asked the police that. And, uh, you know, they, they said they were following the orders. And I said, Do, does this violate, you know, the, the Constitution, the First Amendment? And it was interesting, the responses I, I got. They kind of got into, like, a groan, you know, because, you know, they're caught. The, the First Amendment is very clear. We have freedom of right of assembly. And unless they have suspended the Constitution, um, then that First Amendment does not does not. You know, okay. Well, so you know, it's not federal agents that are really stopping us from you know going out and hanging out in parties. A lot of this is happening on the state and local level. Uh, you know, there's no federal state decree local, out there. State and local, state and local government cannot trump federal. State and local government cannot trump the federal are, constitution. Actually, correct? that's well. There are you know state laws that do like I mean it's it's the it's the separation of of, of federal and and state powers. I mean if you're look like like marijuana for example is illegal federally. However, you can go to Colorado and go into a shop and just buy it. Like th- there are these separations that 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 do and can happen. Well, I don't know. I think it's been argued in courts that um, the Constitution, uh, the United States Constitution, uh, trumps trumps uh, state state laws. Like you cannot make a, a, a state law that this is this is from what I read. Maybe I misread it. 
Uh, I'm fine. You know, I've been wrong plenty of times before. Um, I find it peculiar that they are, for something that now has been revised to down to 20,000 de uh, deaths from this Neil Ferguson character, um, uh, I don't know anybody who is sick or died from this. I know a lot of people, and none of those people know anybody who has died from this, and yet people are being bankrupted. Uh, the middle class is being carved out for something that um, <laughs> there's no evidence that anything's taking place here. Whoa, 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 wait. You're saying there's no evidence that people are infected with the virus? I'm saying there's no evidence that the consequences of what they are, sa what they are saying, the consequences that, are, that, that they're implying that are taking place, meaning thousands uh, or really hundreds of thousands of people could potentially die from that, I don't believe there is any evidence. What, what makes okay. you believe wait, that there is evidence? Well, hold on, that? wait, wait, wait. But that, that didn't quite answer my question. I'm wondering, do you believe there is a disease like infecting people? Um, there may or may not be. I do not know. Okay, so what? So, so do you? Do you yeah, know? Absolutely. Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Okay, yeah. what is your evidence? What is your evidence? There are people that I know who have told me that they have families and loved ones who have COVID, and I don't know why my friends and family would tell me that they people have COVID if they're lying to me. You, know, you didn't hear that that they say that there's an eighty percent false positive uh, response re uh, rate on the tests, supposedly. Well, how can there be a false positive for a, a virus that doesn't exist? Well, I, I said it may or may not exist. Didn't I say that? Or are you going to put those words right, in but my you mouth? Asked, but you asked me if I believe I, that... I, 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 want, I want you to answer that. David, did, I, you asked did I say me, that it didn't exist? David, don't make me mute you, dude. You asked me if I believe that the virus is a thing, and I answered your question, yes. The virus is a thing. I totally believe it. So that was in response to your question. Okay. So I don't, I, and, and you made the counterpoint of, well, don't you know that there's an 80%, you know, uh, false positive? It's like, well, that doesn't make sense. There can't be a false positive if there's no positive, like the virus has to exist. So that doesn't really, you know, yeah, challenge. I know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't really trust, I don't trust the news. I agree with that. But um, anyhow, you, you stating that you know exi it exists because you know people who have, who have been sickened by it slash I don't know, maybe even people who have died from it. If that yes. is proof to you, that's kind of weak proof. Because how do you know that the person just didn't die from an underlying disease that they, that they previously had? Because they have possible? tests for it. <laughs> they, that's why they do the blood work. We can test whether somebody has pneumonia. Have you or verified the, the pneumonia test? Have you verified it yourself? Why do I have to verify the tests to know that the tests well, are because, true? Because well, the, 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 the reason why is let's loop back to the to the H. Wait, let's loop back to the UK government reclassifying. Why the why the living hell does my opinion on the tests matter? I have no expertise in the subject. How could I possibly does, verify? Does does the UK government's reclassification as no I, longer I considering like COVID-19 to be a high-consequence infection. Why are you talking over me when I speak? Uh, David, I'm talking over you because this is my show. So you can stop talking over me maybe and we can have a conversation. But I can just drop you at any time. This is all up to you and how you behave. So well, I just thought it wasn't very polite. That's all. Okay. Well, I, I feel like it's not polite when I'm giving you an answer and you are instead asking me other questions. You know, I'd like to pursue just one line of thought at a time so that we can kind of get somewhere. Like, I'm, I'm more interested in okay. you, you, you're, you're skeptical of the virus's existence. And I think that's really, really interesting because 
Like, yeah, how, how can we know for sure that this virus is a real thing? I want to kind of break that down and, and see what we can do with that. So like you're skeptical of it. What like if you could give in summation just one point, because I know you have several points, but like what do you think is your biggest reason why you think that the virus may not be a thing? Well, I think that to start with, since you, I think you hold a lot of weight to government uh, more than I do, but a government, a UK government um, report that comes out that has reclassified this COVID-19 as a non-HCID, I would think that would kind of interest you and, and maybe, maybe make you question what is truly going on here. You um, might make check it out. It's right on UK.gov. But how does that demonstrate that the virus isn't real? Is that enough to demonstrate that the virus isn't real? I'm, I, I honestly, I don't know whether it's real or not. Okay. I, I am more what concerned. You, with, what would convince you that the virus is real? What would you need? I, 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 honestly, I don't know if it matters at this point. If, it definitely what, matters if, is, if you I'm don't think interested. the virus is real, because if you're going out in public and you might have it and you don't know it and you don't think it's real, your beliefs are going to inform your actions. So I definitely think the question is relevant. Okay. I'm just curious as to what, you know, what line of evidence is, would convince you that the virus is real? What would it take? Okay. I would say that if it, if it truly is a highly, infectious, highly uh, consequential infectious disease, and, there, and there's a million to two million people dying, and I am starting to see people drop dead all around, I would, be, I would start to become concerned. But with that said, with a reclassification where they are now saying that under 20,000 people can be expected to die from this, which is less, now it's being considered as, as weak as a flu by the UK government, I would say why, I would ask then why would the government be interested in closing down the economies for something that's as weak as a typical flu that we experience every year and we've never shut down the government? That doesn't interest you, huh? Well, it does interest me, but I think that there are other reasons that we could consider. For example, classifications of diseases affect how we might research something, okay? If a disease is deadly enough, then the, the, the tier of how researchers are researching it becomes much more, there, there's higher barriers of entry. You can't just go into a lab and look at this thing. You got to sign paperwork. You have to have the right equipment. You have to have the right sign-offs. If you're changing well, don't the you classification. Think the UK government has that? They, yeah, they might have to change their definitions of the disease in order to accrue the right resources to look at this thing. Again, this is pure speculation on my part. I have no idea whether that's true, but I do think it's plausible. Now, I'm not. I'm just giving you an example of another conclusion we Can might Google come it? to. My first conclusion isn't ah. Well, the UK government changed their definition of this, therefore the virus might not be real. I, I don't see how that line of logic follows. I, I, again, I am not saying that it isn't real. Let's, in fact, let's assume, since you keep saying that, let's assume that the virus is real to make it real easy. Okay, I'm fine with that. It's real, okay? Okay. Okay, okay. so now it is a real virus that is now as, as dangerous as the common flu. Can, and that is according to the UK government. Now, are you going to disagree with the scientists who created that report? And I'd like to know why you disagree with them if you do. 
I haven't looked at any reports from the UK government, so it's really hard for me to give an exact. It'll take you two seconds. Google it. I, I looked it up one second know, like, before I got on with you. I typically don't like live Google stuff on my show because I it, I have to have it. If I'm going to give my opinion on something, I want it to be informed. A five minute Google search is not a big enough time of research, in my opinion, for me to have an informed opinion on this. And if you're just Googling stuff to figure everything out, there might be a problem in your methodology of how you figure out whether things are true or not. Uh, well, so you, so you, I guess you would then say that the UK government is obviously wrong is what you're saying in their assessment. No, I don't think I said that at all. I think I said I would you're have not. to okay. look more into it. I would have to evaluate the claims, see okay. why these so, so, Okay, so let me ask you this then. Uh-huh. You are, so what you're telling me is that the, so on, it, literally on the UK government website, it, it states that it is no longer classified. I read it to you, right? What about that is causing you such high level of skepticism to not believe that that is true? I don't well, understand that. One, I'm not looking at the website. I'm hearing you tell me this. I'm getting this from a second-hand source. Well, assume that it's true, what I'm telling you. Well, assume, if I'm just ass- assume what I'm telling you is true. Assume what you're saying is true, then yeah, there's going to be some conclusions there. But I don't know if what you're saying is true. That's the whole point, right? i got to figure out if that first thing is true before I can make any other conclusions to see if that's true. You see what I'm saying? Like, so I can't not- just... So nobody in your in your nobody in your team can say, "Hey, I, I googled it. I looked. I literally would take twelve seconds to see that the UK government has reclassified this as a non HCID." I mean, that's how long it took me. I, I got while I was waiting on while you guys were speaking on the intro, I had to look this up because I don't know this stuff. You know what I mean? I looked it up. It took me three seconds. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I don't have the power to look that up and see that it says that. The, the, the problem is, I don't know what that means, okay? They changed the definition. What does that mean? Why did they change it? What reason, specific reasons did they give? Are these reasons legitimate? These are all questions that I don't know the answer to, and that's what's more important, in my opinion, if, we're gonna, if I'm going to make conclusions about skepticism of you know, this virus. If, unless I am... I can tell you. Uh-huh. I can tell you. I'm on the page. It lists... All right, this is a list of high-consequence infectious diseases that it lists, for, just for your information. Uh, it says Argentine hemorrhagic, hemorrhagic fever, uh, Bolivian uh, fever, Crimean Congo fever, Ebola, Ebola uh, Marburg, severe with whatever, something, Andes virus infection, avian influenza, H5N1, avian influenza, you know, monkeypox, and maybe two or three others, okay? Those are all considered these HCIDs, just to give you an idea. Okay. Now, um, it goes on to say that HCIDs, including viral hemorrhagic fevers, are rare in the UK. Oh, so this is for the UK, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I said that already. You Um, did. When cases do occur, they tend to be sporadic. By the way, I'll go ahead and pull it up and talk about it. Cool. I'm on uh, gov.uk, and I found it. If you Google um, HCID and just Henry, Charlie, Ida, David, and then you you put in um, COVID-19 and then space uh, UK gov, UK gov, right? COVID-19. I'm looking at it. Yep. And... 
uh, information on COVID, including guidance. I think it might be the very first one. Yeah, it is. It's the very first one on Google. And it says information on COVID-19. And it's from UK.gov UK. Right? All right. All right. I can't believe I'm doing this, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll look at this with you here. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if you have a direct link to it. If you have the chat, maybe we can all look at this together and, and see oh, what. Okay. But, yeah. but, but here's the thing, right? Like, you know, and, and I don't want to get too off on a tangent here, but I don't see how, again, the, the, the definitions changing on the UK government's website on the coronavirus is evidence that the coronavirus may not be a thing. I'm not sure. Well, like, I don't, I don't think it really like, is. I don't think okay. it is. I, I agree with you. It's not evidence. It, I agree. It's not. I'm, what I'm okay. saying, I'm putting the link in. I'm putting it in the chat real quick. I don't know if it'll go in or not, but I just put it in. Okay. Um, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm saying, what I'm saying is I'm assuming that, let's assume that it's real, right? All right. So what they are, what the UK government is saying now is that we don't, ex- this is not a dangerous um, this, uh, literally a non-HCID, they're reclassifying it as something at the level of a normal flu. And then, my, you know, that would then lead me to say, wow, A, why is this not re- getting on the news? Uh, and so people can all start to, you know, lose a little bit of the fear that has taken over and understand that, you know, this thing has been overhyped. And, the, you know, that is something that we have to all agree that the mainstream media you know, is, is are experts at hyping news stories, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe. Yeah, depends on the story. But uh, yeah, were, you able, were you able to get that? Were you able to get that link that I put in I'm your still, uh, in your? Um... I'm still trying to find the specific page. I'm on the website, and I don't yeah, see no, it didn't that. come up when I looked when I searched it. It didn't come up correctly. That's why I put the link into another link. Um, hold on, I'll look for the for the one okay. HCID COVID. Okay, so the link Actually, I gave you. But Somebody just sent it to me here, so I'm, I'm going to open that, yeah. and we'll, we'll get this cool, together. And by the way, I want to give a quick cool. shout-out again to Matt Dillahunty for uh, having a watch party here for Truth Wanted. Thanks all you guys who are watching this uh, conversation. Okay, so I have it up here. Um, now, do you see uh, – now, when you open it, do you see status of COVID-19 now easier? It's like it's right there in your face this time. Okay, uh, so I just got a link saying uh, debunked. The UK no longer considers COVID-19 a high-consequence infectious disease, but social media posts about it are misleading. This is from the journal. Is that the link I that I sent you? you? No, this is, Wait, a is that the link I sent you, though? No, it's not a different link, but no, here's I'm an not, did you click, But did you? But I'm asking, did you click on the link I sent you? I haven't seen the link that you sent me. I don't know where you're sending it to. I, I, put, it, I, put, it in, I put it in the chat, man. Are you in the YouTube chat or are you in a different chat? I'm in YouTube chat. It's under Amazing Chocolatiers. Uh, maybe maybe YouTube is trying to cover you up and doesn't want you to send the link. I'm just kidding. Here, here but, I'll uh, put it again. Ready? All right, go I'm for it. I'm putting it again right okay, now. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? Hold on. Three, two, one, boom. All right, I just put it in. You see it? Oh, uh, I see. No, uh, I honestly don't see it. Only, uh, only oh, mods. Says, people are link. telling me. People are telling me only mods can put in links. That's what it says. So anyway, look, I, I, I have. Can you make me a mod for like one second, and I'll put the link no, in? No, 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 and then no, no, no. But I have, me. I have screenshots of the page here because I'm looking at this other page. It says, as of 19th of March, 2020, COVID-19 is no longer considered to be a high 
consequence infectious disease. Is that from the gov? Is that from uk.gov? This is the screenshot from the website. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, it says that they've, uh, you know, changed this uh, clarification recently due to more information about mortality rates, greater clinical Correct. awareness, and a laboratory test for the disease. Uh, and the mortality rate is small enough. So it's only between three and 4%, which means that this change of classification, you know, that's why they changed the classification. It also says that the laboratory test to identify COVID-19 was discovered relatively quickly after the disease so they could test it rapidly. Um, yeah. So this, the explanation it's giving here uh, said that basically because the mortality rate is significantly lower. Whose explanation is that? This is, again, I'm looking at the government. I don't see that on my page. Right. Because you're looking at the actual government page. This is another page responding to that. Like, who who is that, though? Who who is that that you're reading? That's somebody's opinion? A website called thejournal.ie, which is Uh a a website that looks at uh, different news sources and stuff um, and and gives explanations and commentary on. on, on different news stories. So this is a story that's kind of deflating this claim a little bit, but you see, like, this is also a result of Googling things, you know, like if I hadn't seen this page and I just saw the UK thing, yeah, I might be confused, but putting a little more research and context to it, even though, yeah, that took us a little bit of time, but already, at least there's an explanation, right? Now we can talk about the legitimacy of that explanation for sure, but here's something. So it's not a complete unknown why they did this. There's at least some reasoning behind it. And what is the reasoning? The reasoning, again, according to... According to who? According to who? I I will tell you. You don't have to ask several times. I I can get you the first time. Um, I'm looking at statements from... uh, Where does it say? Uh, That's not the right one. Uh, so this, uh, is from the, uh, the author is called Orla Dwyer. She has her contact information here. I don't know what her credentials are, but she did take some statements from the, uh, from the European center for disease pretend, pre, uh, prevention and control. And she's also taken some statements from Boris Johnson. I mean, Boris Johnson is just going to say, right. Boris so it she's is. going to her explanation of what the site, what the UK Gov site. You're just going to go with what some random person interprets. Is that no, what you're so telling me? I'm not sure. Anyway, our YouTube channel, everybody, is Zoom what Truth. If you want to get real truth, go to Zoom Truth. What? Hey, David, plug your stuff on here, and I gotta drop you because I don't want this to be, you know, just a, a plug for you. Oh, you okay? don't want people to know who I am. You want to hide me? David, you're making a lot of assumptions about me and my explanations for things. And I think the problem might be that you're jumping to conclusions too quickly for us to really evaluate things. I'm starting to see a trend here. Okay. Earlier I said, look, this may not be the best explanation, but at least this is something we can work with, right? This is something we could talk about. The idea that the UK government put this thing out and nobody's talking about it. Well, I just showed you a source of somebody talking about it. So, you know, we, we can't go with that narrative anymore. We can't talk about th- this idea that nobody's talking about it because now we have somebody talking about it. Okay, so now we have an explanation. 
So we can evaluate, okay, what? what's the validity of this? Do you think that was, like, I didn't see that on the, on the NBC, CNBC. I didn't see that on, like, mainstream media news. Did you see that on the news, them talking about that? I don't. Yeah, I didn't see anything because it looks like there might not be any consequences to this news. Like, what, what are we supposed to gain from this? Why would I, what am I going to gain from learning about the UK government's change of classification of the COVID-19 disease? How is that, you know? Well, that's what, up to you. That would be up to you to decide. You know, I'm not, I don't want to think for anybody. I was yeah. just calling because I thought you might be interested, that's all. It doesn't sound I, like you are. Interesting. I don't, I know it is interesting. I just, I can't follow the same leaps of logic. I can't go from, whoa, this is crazy. There has to be something nefarious behind this because I don't have enough evidence for that yet. If more evidence is presented to me, maybe if there's a, a sequences of, of changes in definitions from multiple independent parties or, or, or at least ostensibly independent parties, that might be something to go on. Or, uh, you know, know, I I would say, okay, that's fine. I'm interested in your opinion on this. Okay, go ahead, David. And then I want to get to to Princeton. Yeah, no problem. I'll be real quick. I went out to Princeton, right? And I asked people, I asked people in line while I was waiting, there's a famous place called Hoagie Haven where they make sandwiches, right? Well, the, the store is closed. You have to order through a window, right? Because they don't want to, I guess, have people near each other. So anyway, there was like a group of seven or eight people standing outside the window waiting to have their sandwiches made. While they were waiting, I asked everybody, I said, hey, does everybody here believe the coronavirus is real? And everybody looked at me like I had two heads, right? Of course. So with that, I find it interesting because everybody right, is concerned about you know, the danger of this virus, which I understand the, you know, the news media has, has made it very scary, yet they're not concerned enough so that to, to not order a sandwich from some guy who's making a sandwich in a back room that who knows whether the guy sneezed, talking over the food, getting germs all over their sandwiches, and they're ordering it like it's nothing. Is that, a, do you think that's like a, a lack of common sense, or is that denial, or is that just stupidity? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Like, what, you know, are, uh, how can we... Uh, evaluate whether other people are following like the the best safety protocols and stuff, right? So I was talking about my job earlier. Um, I go around to grocery stores and stuff every single day. And I see most people now that I talk to are wearing gloves and some of them are wearing masks. And I wear uh, gloves and a mask almost every day. I don't always wear the mask because uh, our company doesn't always have enough for people. Um, But uh, you know, I, I wonder too, when I'm looking at people, I'm like, hey, some of these people aren't wearing gloves. What are they doing? How are they following stuff? And yeah, there is risk involved. Now, specifically where I live, I live in Austin. Okay. So the last count I saw were, I think we're around 300 cases. We also have to evaluate, okay, Austin has a population of, you know, a million people, if you're, especially if you're including like around the areas and stuff. If you take a percentage of 200 or so people and, and knowing that those people are tested and positive, so they're probably put away somewhere. Uh, what are the chances right now of me in particular contracting it in Austin? Well, I'd say still relatively low. Now, that's not to say that there is no risk because there is a risk. And every time I go out that door, there's a risk for me. But I can also make the evaluation and say, well, you know, if there's the likelihood is still statistically small and there's enough of a demand right now for my job, for what I do, that I feel it's important for me to go out and do things. So whether or not you feel there's the same importance to order some a, a sandwich from a sandwich shop, yeah, I don't know. And I wonder about that too. When I order my food, are they doing things? But I'm still doing it, at least for right now. 
Uh, we'll see in a week or two. Yeah, but, but all right, so that's interesting because that's what I mean, though, because like I find it interesting that there are thousands of restaurants and thousands of people who are ordering from these restaurants, and yet they have closed down the rest of the economy. It kind of does not make sense. Well, most people well, aren't also- rational. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say there's also thousands of people who don't think they should have all those restaurants open. Yeah, yeah, it's so, true. All right, yeah, so then true. if the restaurant shouldn't be open, really, shouldn't the grocery stores then not be open too? It's just as likely you'll you'll you'll, you'll catch a, you know the virus there, right? Yeah, it's just probably likely, really. Yeah, it's probably more likely you'll get it from a grocery store, but at the same time, yeah, so I mean, really, we should be we should be clamoring for them to close everything down and have us locked in our homes, right? No, I don't think so at all. For, for our own safety, though, for our own safety, I'm saying. Well, we're we are taking minimizations to make like preventions of the spread of disease happen. We aren't completely shutting down because at least most government entities feel like, yeah, we can still at least have these essential businesses running um, and still be relatively safe. You know, the goal isn't all right. Make sure nobody gets the virus ever again. The goal is to flatten the curve. Right, we're minimizing our contact with each other uh, because, uh, no, like, we're, I we're going to restaurants and we're going to grocery stores. Right, like but every, we, like but every we people, that. like, are doing that. Like, it's normal. Like, I see yeah. people going to them I, and they're yeah. like, normal. They're standing in line at my local grocery store. Like, it's like a normal day there for most people. I yeah, I think, and and some people may not realize the full impact, but I'm not other people, so I don't know why you're asking me. I mean, I, I'm trying to take the. Well, the so, most- I mean, are you are you trying to insinuate that some of the, some percentage of the of the population is holed up and is not going out to either restaurants or grocery stores? Like they are completely oh, have isolated themselves one hundred percent. There's definitely people out there doing that. Yeah, a large percentage of people. Would you say fifty percent or greater? I have no idea. Definitely not. Well, 50%. I'm just wondering what, what your opinion would be. How Definitely big? not 50 percent or greater. Yeah, I would say I mean, yeah. probably. Uh, I don't know. I have no data to figure that out. I have no way to to make an opinion on that. You know. Okay. I'd have, All right, I'd man. Have hey, listen. I appreciate you entertaining my thoughts. I know. I know you, you. You probably don't think very highly of them. Um. Hey, listen. Also, could you, if you could, if you can, unban me, man? I will. I will. I will listen every once in a while. I've been banned for like I don't know a while now. So, I don't know. I don't make the decisions on the chat. Personally, I'm not banning. I don't have time. I'm talking to callers and stuff. So that's up to you and and, and what the mods think. Um, and maybe you could you know message some of those and figure that out. But David, I want to say thanks for calling. Thanks for talking to me about your belief and, and why you believe it. At least we, we kind of got some of that in there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you go so we can talk to the next caller here. And I think you're you're already here. Are you still there? Nope, don't think so. I think we got that taken care of. So that was an interesting conversation. Um, that was fun. Yeah. So, Sarah, what did you think of all that? You were kind of quiet for most of it. I didn't want to, like, interrupt you. But, yeah, I didn't understand why having the classification change had him jump to as many conclusions as he did. Well, I think, to his credit, he probably has other things that he's looking at that is making him skeptical and that he just didn't either didn't want to present it here or maybe didn't have time. Maybe he talks about it more in his channel, but I agree with you. Just that fact doesn't make me skeptical of the virus not existing. Like I feel like the virus existing evidence is way up here. And then you have this one change and you know, the narrative isn't quite there either. You were saying nobody's talking about it. 
I just found a source of somebody talking about this. Um, and it's like, yeah, I don't think the government is hiding the virus. I think they're taking precautions. I don't think a rational government would want to cripple its own economy for like, I don't, there's no gain there where like, you know, at least with most conspiracy theories, there's some sort of gain, but th there's no gain there at all. There, nobody's going to be, unless, uh, you know, somebody would have to present me with something of how people can gain. Maybe, maybe it's a sanit sanitization industry. Like the, uh, you know, the uh, hand sanitizer industry is, is gaining from this. I don't know. Um, but yeah, interesting conversation for sure. Um, I also don't understand how it's relevant whether people are taking it as seriously as they should. Like when you go out and see people who you know are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, how that has anything to do with how serious the virus yeah, is. Yeah, it's like, look, other people, I don't speak for other people. Like I'm mm -hmm. not them. Like, yeah, a lot of people... Uh, right now are <laughs> they have their own thoughts and opinions on things like that what they're doing is it isn't matter like if you ask people i, I was trying to think of a, a a thing that a stupid thing most people believe but if you ask people like uh i don't know uh the order of the planets in the solar system there's probably going to be a large percentage of people that don't get that right now that that's not an indication of whether somebody's smart or dumb but it, it just means that yeah like they may not have that education to you know, properly say that thing. And yeah, there's definitely people out there who don't have, uh, you know, the, the right information on this virus. So I don't know how other people's actions influence my belief like that specifically. Um, but anyway, I want to go ahead and go to our next caller here. I wanted to get to Julie, who's calling in from Tennessee. Hey, Julie, let me know if you can hear us. Hey, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Um, I saw that you were calling Fantastic. in right as as that call was happening. So I think you had some thoughts. Oh my gosh, I so do. And uh, Sarah um, and Dan, you're amazing. But Sarah, just so you know, this is Julie LaVoice from Memphis. Love you, girl. You're oh, doing fantastic. Okay. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even have to dox myself. You knew. Yeah, I thought it was. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. I don't give a fuck. You know that. Okay. Oh, sorry, Dan. Anyway, so um, so proof for David from New Jersey as to whether or not this uh, virus actually exists. I submit over 5,000 dead Americans. We surpassed Italy and, and China in our death rate from this virus. And as a person, I'm 42 years old. My parents are in their uh, late 70s. And they both have um, uh, other, you know, underlying health conditions like diabetes and heart conditions and things like that. Dan's call, I'm so sorry, Dan, I love you. David's call made me very upset uh, mm -hmm. because the, the, the thing about social distancing and what we're all trying to do right now as a society is to protect the most vulnerable among us. Right. So we want to protect pregnant women. We want to protect small babies and we want to protect our parents who, you know, could very easily die of pneumonia if they get this virus. I mean, it, um, and I, if they get COVID-19, you know, essentially it's it's kind of like pneumonia. And I'm not a doctor in any way, shape or form. I'm a tech writer. So um, mm -hmm. but it's just, uh, you know, I mean, my, my mom has dementia. And so I'm talking to her every day and every day I'm having to remind her about why, you know, we haven't been out to see her 
and why we're not, you know, why we're not there like we used to be, you know, why my husband isn't there because he does their, their yard work. And, and luckily my dad, thank goodness my dad is there to look after her. But it's, it's so frustrating when I hear someone say, well, do we even know there's a virus? I just, oh gosh, I, it was like my head was going to explode. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to put that out there and say, Dan, you were right. Don't assume that something's true just because somebody says it to you. Look it up. I mean, we've got CNN, we've got MSNBC, we have the BBC, and we've got NPR. These are all good sources for information. And I can tell you right now that the UK is on lockdown. People in England and in and in uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland, they're not supposed to leave their homes right now unless it's on essential errands. And that's to get food, prescriptions, or doctor visits. That's it. And you can be fined right now there for leaving your home. So this is not, this is a very contagious virus. And what we're trying to do with social distancing and by minimizing contact is to not overwhelm the healthcare system in the United States because we all know that it's crap, basically. Right. And yeah, sorry for not yeah. coming up with a better word for that, but there you go. No, it, it, you're and, right. Uh, like, <laughs> there's, there's no reason for us to have such a radical skepticism for something that we can very clearly demonstrate to be true. You know, this reminds me a little Thank bit you. of when the Sandy Hook thing was happening. There were people who were oh. saying, oh, this isn't real. These are crisis actors. Okay. Now that in oh, itself, that made me furious. it's, it's dehumanizing to the people who actually went through that and lived that there were people yes. saying the school wasn't even open at the time, which is just, oh, you know, whatever. Night. But like, this is an international pandemic where we can, I could, yes. there's a thousand stories of people giving their own testimonies of them being sick. And, and like in oh. our healthcare system in particular, okay. You think it's like, uh, all the secret governments coming together. Hey, we have private health care in this country. People, uh, health care people in this country are getting their sources from uh, private uh, uh, private institutions and private institutions are trying to get their sources from other places. They can, they have to independently verify this stuff. I mean, our, our country even has a separate test that we develop that is different from other people. You know, if we're all in this together, it doesn't yes. even make sense for us to be used. I mean, like we can look at this at a million different no. angles. We can break this down all day. We always like, have to be different. It's like with the metric system. But for Sorry. some people, right? For some people, unless you have that thing right there in front of them, they're just going to be skeptical about it, but they won't be skeptical about some other things. You know, sometimes they have yeah. a bent towards a distrust of something and, and, and we can yes. and, and do that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I was, I was, you, I absolutely agree with everything you said. I'm sorry. I kept uh, trying to butt in. I, uh, okay. um, yeah. And, and the thing that got me was when you were reading the headline and it said debunk, I was like, wow, did David not notice that first word? Well, no, no, no. So, so, so the source I found, this was a different thing. It was talking about his original source. So he had the UK source and I just found another thing that said, okay, here's an article called debunked and it's referencing that other article. So again, it's just like, that's just a few minutes of searching and figuring that out. No, okay, fair. Um, but you have to, if you yeah, don't have and, the right and, research techniques, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll give my piece and then I'll let you say your thing. Uh, Cause you're obviously, you're sure, super sure, sure, sorry. Uh, but like, you know, <laughs> if you don't have the lateral reading techniques to say, okay, here's one source. Is this source credible? Who's writing it? 
What are their credentials? Here's another source. What is this saying? What does it say in comparison to this other source? Are these two things saying the same things? You know, like that takes all of that takes time and if and 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 a certain level of education to to figure that out. And if you don't have either of those things, then you're it's very easy to jump to conclusions and just like jump on the first headline that you see. I mean, that's why uh, so many people get a lot of their information uh, on uh, you know going back to uh, Bible stuff. Uh, like if you if you look up any questions on the Bible, you see a lot of apologist websites. Uh, you don't see like atheist mm-hmm. websites and stuff. Now, it's not to say that those apologist <laughs> sites don't have legitimate information all the time, but they are going to have some things that, you know, we would probably disagree with. Uh, so, yeah, definitely there's uh, there's techniques involved that we can use to look at this stuff. But go ahead, Julie. No, you're you're absolutely right, Dan, and I, I really appreciate that. I am um, because it um it helps me not be quite so vitriolic. Um, because uh, I do need to remember that you know I mean I used to be an English professor and then I'm and now I'm a technical writer because um uh you know money and healthcare and shit. But um, right. the um so it's so I know how to double check sources and I know how to look up things and I understand that. That is not I've taught enough people how to do that that I understand that that is not everyone's thing. That, it, that it's not everyone's forte. Um, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to David from New Jersey uh, when I say that. And, and if he's watching now, I'm sorry if I made you feel bad. But, dude, seriously, it, it, uh, my niece is um, she's an intern nurse. She uh, would have been graduating this week, but her graduation and her final exams have been put off because of the pandemic. So she's interning as a nurse and she's wearing home sewn masks to work because they don't have enough PPE, which is protective, uh, personal protective equipment for mm-hmm. nurses and doctors. And we're seeing, you know, we've, we've seen doctors and nurses, you know, they're dying in this country because they're, they're dealing with this and they're having to wear the same masks and the same, you know, uh, PPE for, for, you know, shifts on end and, and then, you know, germs. I mean, you know, we know how they work. Um, so it's just very, (laughs) this is, it just kind of hits me where I live on the, on the, uh, you know, parental front and also on the, you know, my parents' grandchildren's, you know, front. Like I'm, I'm very frustrated and, and, um, you know, people who don't take this seriously, it, it, it's, it's just silly. Stop it. Like, yeah. this is a, <laughs> this is a real Sometimes, thing. Yeah. I wish I could just take you know, people and be like, this is real. Like, stop acting like this. But, right? you know, we live in a society where we have to have conversations about this and that's our best method of kind of getting the word out there. Um, so like that, yeah, I, our goal as skeptics in this time, in my opinion, like our duty is to get the best source information out there possible to have conversations. Cause like when I'm out on this, when I'm doing my job and I'm hearing these people, sometimes I'll chime in. I don't do it every time. And I really need to do it every time because look, I'll talk to these people and then I'll never talk to them again. So there's no, I don't care what they think of me afterwards. Like they, you know, they need to know this stuff. I just want to be like, Hey, look, that's not true. And, and and here's reasons why, because the more people, unfortunately we calling people out, isn't always looked at as, a, as great uh, in this country, but like something we have to do it sometimes. I think it's our duty to kind of be like, Hey, yeah, and- you can't keep talking about that. That's totally wrong. <laughs> we got to stop. Stop no, right you're, there. You're, you know. you're absolutely right. You are exactly right. Oh, please, Sarah. Yeah. Talk. No. Go ahead. I was just saying, especially when lives are at risk. 
Yeah, absolutely. We definitely uh, it, it, we have a, a job to protect people right now in all of this. Um, yeah, but Julie, and and, wanna... and that's another thing. I was I was really annoyed that he that he was um uh saying that it was stupid for people uh, that he thought that it was some kind of conspiracy that people weren't going to uh, uh, places that make food. It's like man, and and then in the same uh, you know, not the same breath, but in the same diatribe, he was complaining about the destruction of the middle class and i was just like what are you talking about like i you know i worked my way through college and grad school in a pizzeria like what like these people like as many people of in this uh line of work as we can keep employed it it, all the better yeah this is this is a tangent it has to be safe it has to be safe for them and for us Yeah, I want to finish this uh, thought and then uh, I'll go ahead and go to my next caller here, Julie. But yeah, um, the middle class, I mean, if you're middle class, chances are the job that you have is a job you can do at home. Now, that's not to say for every job, but hey, if anything, working class people are the most disproportionately affected by this. People who have to go to Uh places where they can't do their job at home, like my job. Right now, I have to go out and I, I can't do it at home. I can't make deliveries at yep. home um, for for the company I work for. So yeah, that's it. Just doesn't happen. So yeah, I, obviously everybody's getting affected by this. That's not to minimize, yeah. Um, you know the the destruction that this thing has caused. But yeah, if you oh, want to talk I, about I hey, class warfare, it. hey, it's the working class that's definitely hit, getting hit the hardest. But anyway, Julie, I I want to go ahead and go to my next caller here. But thanks so much for calling in and giving your take on this, uh, because yeah, that was a that was quite a conversation. I'm glad uh, we could get some more voices on that. Well, thank so, you, and you two have a great night. Yeah, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Yeah, stay safe. And- oh, I had to drop it. See, that's the thing. Clicking hyperlinks not the same thing as like pressing buttons. It's like it's totally different. <laughs> but Julie, thanks for calling in on that. Um, yeah. We need to have more conversations about this stuff. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and engage with people where they can listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's any any other thoughts, Sarah, before we uh, go to another call here? Or? Just that the people Julie was talking about, like her parents, who's, uh, who are more at risk, their lives matter. And that's what we need to be remembering when we're dealing with how inconvenient it is to be socially distancing and washing your hands until they're all like dried and chapped and stuff like that's yeah we're doing it yeah i have a lot of a lot of my family works in healthcare, and uh i there are people who are uh they aren't directly working in well actually some of them are working in hospitals but the ones i'm thinking of may not be working in hospitals but they're on call like they have to be ready to help out in those situations um and so yeah people aren't using these resources and and calling out like the national guard and stuff like that uh in new york for no reason like uh this is a detriment for everybody involved there's just no advantage i i cannot conceive of a possible advantage to to be gained by this because it it just seems like everybody's getting hit on some way rich or poor this is affecting your life uh in some way and chances are it's going to be negative again unless you're in the hand sanitizer industry or these other ones because it sounds like they might be making bank i don't know but uh, regardless, I do want to get to some other callers here. We got quite a few. Ah, shit. Ah, shit. 
It's Matt Dillahunty. <laughs> he wants to talk about Tiger King. <laughs> yes. Matt, what's up? You're on the air. You said you wanted to make this a Tiger King special episode. Yes, this is a Tiger King fan cast. I'm telling you. (laughs) Matt, give me your hot take. I have a question for each of you. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead. Now, I'm assuming that you've both seen it. Hell yeah, I've seen it. I haven't finished it. What do you... Okay, what do you think the odds are that Carol killed her husband? All right, okay. Um, (laughs) It's a non-zero... I'll tell you that much. Uh, I think it's like, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say 70 to 80%. And that's, that's being, wow. I, that, yeah. What do you think? So that, that is on par with my intuition, but there's, okay. the, and this is kind of relevant to your show and the, and, and the theme of your show, irrespective of Tiger King. And that's that there've been many of these Netflix docu-dramas. And the key thing that I try to keep in mind as someone who has been interviewed and who has been misrepresented or who has had narratives about them that just aren't true is that they're putting together something that's entertaining. And from the very first episode, I know the format of this. It's going to be, we're going to build up this person is good and this person is bad. And then an episode at the end of episode two, we're going to flip it so that now you're confused and you're intrigued to keep watching. And then at the end, we're going to resolve it. And so my, my big issue is that while my intuitions are that there's a significant chance that she killed her husband, it's only based on what the Netflix docudrama told me, which isn't necessarily accurate and may be leaving out massive details. So two things. But I think First, there are about four people. I think there are four people on this show who should be in jail and not just one. Well, okay. Two things to that. Um, first thing is, I don't know why you thought there was a good guy and bad guy from the first episode. I didn't think anybody on this show was exactly a good guy uh, from the get-go. But the other thing is, this documentary is made by the same people who produced the Fire Festival documentary series. And if you know anything about the Netflix Fire documentary series is, it in part was produced by the same marketing team that helps make fire festival happen which is why when you watch the hulu fire festival documentary team they say some stuff about that that marketing group that the netflix one did not bring up you know and so yeah i totally believe that a lot of this is entertainment and a lot of this is played up i've read some uh, uh an interview with a guy who used to work at the zoo um, and, and who had kind of gave his thoughts on things, uh, which was really interesting. He didn't really say that anything about the documentary was, was, wasn't true or anything, but he was saying that there was some like, okay, that singing the songs, that's not actually him singing. That's somebody else. He says it's him singing, but it's what? not. Yes. Isn't that crazy? It's not, he, he said it was him, but apparently the other guy was like, no, it's not. So anyway, this is our Tiger King fan cast, um, and, and, and this is what the show is now. But anyway, thanks, Matt, for calling in. and, and Yeah, and get, some, get some other callers in. Keep kicking butt. <laughs> I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for making uh, my Tiger, my Tiger uh, King fan cast dreams come true because that is what we are now, and um, that's, that's what we're doing. So, yeah, yeah, this is life. This is life. I'm in my apartment live on a Friday night talking about 
COVID-19 conspiracies and Tiger King. What else could I want out of this? this Couldn't have predicted life. this a few months ago. I Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. We're living in a weird parallel universe timeline. I think we all know that now. And um, it's, it's just kind of balls off the walls. But anyway, I want to go ahead and go to our next caller here. I want to get to uh, Lynn in Michigan. Hey, Lynn, you are live on Truth Wanted. What's going on? Hi, how are you? I'm doing just great. Talking about Tiger King COVID. That's, that's yeah. the show. I don't know anything about Tiger King. Not a thing. Well, um, I don't want to I'm going to alienate and confuse a, a majority or at least some part of my audience. And I'm okay with that right now because you need to go watch it. So anyway, continue. Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank you for doing the kind of job you do and everybody else who does that. I, uh, I'm 70 and I am in my apartment in a senior building that's locked down. I can go out for groceries, but I'm a, I will not go into a store anymore. I have a neighbor in this building who, who is sick with COVID. Oh, no. Man, yeah. that's not good. Yeah, so there you go. Hey, David, if you want some evidence, here's Lynn saying, well, he might say that, uh, how does he really know that it's COVID? And maybe I, the test yeah. was different, but how do I really, anyway. How do I really know it's COVID and and... That's just one person. Yeah, it is just one person. Um, but regardless, we all agree that it's a thing and it's happening. So, uh, yeah, my condolences to your neighbor. I hope things are going okay. And yeah, like I, I appreciate you saying thanks to me. I'm, I, I don't feel like a hero. I feel like the nurses and people who are doing the real stuff out yeah. there. Well, are, you know. Oh, hey, Lynn, if you're still there, your your phone is kind of uh, acting up a bit. All right, Lynn, I still can't hear you. Going to give you one more chance here. Okay, so I can't hear you right now. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to go ahead and, oh, it looks like we're not in the call. I think the call dropped here. That's okay. Um, we'll, if you want to call back and we can continue talking about it, um, we can uh, you know, we can do that. Until then, I'm going to go ahead and go on to the next caller here. I want to get to Nick in Massachusetts. Come on, system. Let's go. Yep. Nick in Massachusetts. You are live on Truth Wanted. What's going on? Hey, man. Uh, wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about, well, first I want to, um, just for all the, uh, like coronavirus deniers or whatever, you guys can head over to, uh, slash Wuhan. Corkin is like K-O-R-K-I-N lab. Um, it's, uh, it's a lab at WPI, like Worcester Polytech Institute. I uh, went there and I went there for biomedical engineering, but yeah, this is a lab that's basically providing like free, um, like public uh, research data on the, on this virus. And so, you know, like you can see the data firsthand and you can see that it's not like, you know, bullshit well, cool. or anything it's not made up cool well, thanks for also, pulling that a, and also there's a, a guy i don't know if you guys are familiar with george Hotz. he's a um he's a like a software engineer that works uh he like has this company called comma.ai 
and he and it's basically vehicle automation machine learning company and he's doing like on his free time he's basically uh live streaming on twitch uh just like matt is right now i'm in this stream chat actually <laughs> uh hey matt um but yeah george Hodge, this guy he's basically uh like on his free time he's doing he's trying to reverse engineer the the, the virus on like live streaming on twitch like his uh programming um and he's using this wpi data so it's, it's, if you guys you know are interested in that kind of stuff uh definitely recommend checking that out cool well thanks for giving yeah, us all those yeah. yeah not nice cool plugs there that people can check out nick but i want to know what's the real reason you're calling here today what do you want to talk about um i'm calling because i so i'm i'm, I'm like pretty atheist but i i, I think it's more reasonable um, I, I think it's it may, it, there's more evidence for deism than not. If that makes oh. sense. Okay, yeah, that's a that's an interesting take. I'd love to hear why you think that. Um, so like the the qualification that I would make in the situation is that um, I don't I don't uh there there's definitely not. Like this isn't a position on a god, per se. Okay. Um, and and in a like, I guess I would have to distinguish like a universe creator person or group of people and a god. The way I would distinguish would be like the omni, um, the omnipotent sort of type of powers, including like omniscience and omnipresence sort of thing. Okay, so it's it. You believe that there could be a god or gods, but they aren't omni. Am I following you right? Well, I, I don't. I, I don't think it's anything like. Uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Uh, there's no evidence to for for anything that's supernatural. So that's not like so, like so. It's not. It doesn't abide by like mathematically coherent principles like physics. Okay, um, so let's let, let's try to get to the heart of the claim here. Like, what is the specific claim that yeah. you're making? Are you making the claim that that there is a god, or that there are gods, or that there's yeah, a creator? Like, that, what's what's the heart of it? I, I would say I would say the. Uh, have you heard of the simulation hypothesis by Nick? Bostrom? Yes, we've talked about the simulation hypothesis on this show uh, several times. Okay. And so what's your, so it's basically like, it's very, uh, I guess that position is pretty tied to that, okay. um, to these assumptions. Um, they, he has, is it, uh, like, do you guys disagree with, uh, his third proposition, which is like the fraction of all people with our kind of experiences that are living, living in a simulation is very close to one. Uh, I don't entirely know what that means. I'll be honest with you. Uh, okay. So I, I, I'll kind of like take it back a little bit. Um, okay. We have more uh, physical, physically coherent, mathematically coherent simulations created by intelligence than uh, examples of such things 
that arise spontaneously if you exclude from the the equation this uh, universe and this reality. Okay, I think that's a little more clear, but it's I. There's still some things I'm unclear about. Can I maybe take this in a different direction that might maybe make it a bit more yeah. accessible for people? Um, I let's just talk about the simulation hypothesis as a whole. You know, what is it okay. about the simulation hypothesis that leads you to the conclusion that I'm assuming? Well, I don't know what your percentage is on what you think there is of a god or gods, but like, you know, how much does that chunk of information, that hypothesis, influence your belief? Is that like is that the main thing that that informs you that there is a creator? Wait, uh, is there anything about this hypothesis that informs me? Yeah. So in other words, Nick, outside of this hypothesis, are there other things that lead you to, con to the conclusion that you have to a creator? Or is the hypothesis your biggest reason for believing? Well, um... The, it's kind of it's kind of actually what I was just talking about with sort of like there being more um like we like so like even though like video games we can we some would sort of we would toss that aside as as evidence like we like maybe I don't know if you would consider video games as evidence yeah but well um, I don't I don't like, really I, I, you know, people brought this up and I'll, I'll just address this real quick, Nick. I don't see how the create, how the fact that we can create simulations means that we're in a simulation. Like I agree. Yeah. Like it brings up the possibility, but it, okay. I, I don't really get farther than that. You know, it's also possible we could all have been created by extraterrestrial life. Like, yeah, there's a logic that goes there that makes that physically maybe feasible, um, in some form right, of fashion. Right. That's why I kind of, that's why I can't kind of, uh, I qualify my position in the, in the sense that like, I don't like, I, I sort of like, for example, I also believe that like, if I were to, if you were to ask me if it's more likely that we have one, like the, this universe has one creator versus multiple creators mm -hmm. working on, uh, like that worked on, that like worked on the simulation collectively, I would obviously side with the latter because uh, most of our examples of like cyber physical simulations that we've, that we as a humanity have created so far, most of them have been created collectively. So uh, I, I'm just kind of using us and I, the examples that we've created as a society as like a basis for this opinion. Yeah. Like I, again, I agree with you. Like, yeah, we've definitely made some simulations. So, you know, we can scale that up to saying, Oh, because there are simulations, you know, it's possible that we're in a simulation. I, I totally get that. But it, unless there's something about the simulation hypothesis, I don't know, which there could be, I'm not sure of any empirical evidence that specifically demonstrates, ah, yes, what we see here can the best explanation can only be that we're living in a simulation. Um, I, I haven't seen anything like that as of yet, which is why I withheld my belief that, yeah, we're living in a simulation because again, I, I haven't seen anything that directly demonstrate that, you know, there might be a philosophical argument for that. And uh, I won't, I, right. again, I haven't looked too much into this, but the thing about philosophical arguments is, 
at the end of the day, if you have empirical evidence, that trumps a philosophical argument pretty much every time. Um, and mm -hmm. philosophy and schools of thought on philosophy have made rapid changes, especially in the 20th century, if we're even going to just go from there. But just throughout as long as philosophy has been, uh, some of the most ancient philosophers we can look at had pretty interesting and sometimes silly beliefs that we wouldn't necessarily follow today. Um, and so a philosophical argument on its own, you know, there's credibility there, but it's not necessarily enough to convince me of something, especially of as big of a claim as, yeah, we're all living in a simulation. Like to me, that's, that's huge. Um, you know, uh, it's going to require, uh, a lot of evidence for me. Right. For sure. So, um, uh, yeah, like, so, like, for example, I have, like, sort of, and, like, I, if you listen, if you listen to Nick Bostrom um, talk to Lex Friedman, are you familiar with Lex Friedman at all? You know, uh, I can't say that I am. Uh, so he's, a, he's an AI uh, sort of, like, PhD, also teacher, I think, at MIT. And so, like, Lex, Fre Lex Friedman is. And he does a bunch of his YouTube channel is like a bunch of interviews with world-renowned um, physicists, scientists, mathematicians, and he like he loves getting into the nitty-gritty about the actual like you know like their specialization, um, their research, and he likes to tie that stuff in into like more philosophical sides of conversation, like um, like like the nature of the reality and um, what brings them meaning and that kind of stuff. And like, like, you know, subjective type of stuff. It's really interesting. And so like, uh, just to kind of like tie this back into our conversation, he had a conversation with Nick Bostrom um, of, about his simulation hypothesis. So definitely um, recommend that checking it out. So in taking from that conversation, um, I think one thing, one thing that I, I was, sort of predict um, for the future. I think um, we might see these things in our lifetimes. Um, uh, or at least, at least like, in, like inklings of these kinds of things. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say that if we, if we can um, create like high capacity, if we can manufacture high capacity um, quantum computers that, um, the, the main problem with the our current ones is that um, uh, Nick, I, I, I hate to interrupt you, but we got to wrap things up here. I got some other calls <laughs> we got to take here, and I just want to yeah. you know hear your final thoughts, and then let's go ahead and try to wrap things up if you don't mind. Yeah, I guess high capacity like quantum computers would it would be able to um, we would be able like we would be able to use them in order to like uh, basically prove. To ourselves, whether or not we can actually create like sentience, because I mean um, that's probably one of the more complex things. Like molecular dynamics is not too complex, but like um, se like sentience might like probably requires a little bit a more like a, a more refined understanding of uh, physics in general. So if we can like emulate sentience to um, a very high degree um, with qu with quantum computers, and I, and I think the only way it would be um, 
with quantum computers, by the way. Uh, so, like supercomputing is like linear computing, so you wouldn't. Uh, that's not. Uh, it's linear computation, whereas like quantum okay. systems are. Like, yeah. So yeah, if we can do that, I think we would be, We would get to a place. We would get to a place where we uh, build evidence for the case, for the case that this is a simulation. Basically, you okay, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, if if it has to take quantum computing to give us evidence for that, that's really interesting. And yeah, you'd be right. The hypothesis would have to, you know, take its time to to become a full fledged, uh, you know, reality to us. If that's true, um, yeah, quantum computing is really interesting. I've read some stuff about it. Definitely don't know uh, enough to 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 make any definitive statements on it. But that's cool that you brought it up. And I would encourage you to uh, think about, you know, if we, if it's really going to take that to give us the empirical evidence we need, you know, what's, uh, how sure can we be in believe having that belief right now? Because if we know the standards of the evidence and we don't yet have that evidence, it's hard. It would be hard for me to say either way, whether a belief like that is true. Um, but Nick, I'm going to go ahead and let you go here. Thanks again for calling and uh, appreciate you talking to us on this special home edition of Truth Wanted. That was a lot of information there, right, Sarah? That was a little hard to keep up with, to be honest. Yes, I agree. I think if Nick wrote his thoughts down and maybe had a conversation about it, it'd be great. I've had several conversations about simulation hypothesis on this show, and none of them have been particularly great, you know, because... Um, the philosophy behind it is pretty dense and uh, it's very technical. There's a lot of technical arguments that go into that. And uh, just a, a topic like that just isn't a great uh, topic of conversation for a format like this. You know, the, the medium of this isn't really super developed for that. Also, again, I don't have the right philosophical or physics or, or computer science qualifications to make an expert opinion. I can only go from what I know and, and, and the tools that I have to work with. So, um, it is yeah. interesting though. Yeah. We're going to um, keep going with this show a little bit, folks. We're going to try to go until about nine o'clock. I know we usually, um, go until around eight thirty our time, but we got a couple other callers and, um, we want to keep talking to you guys and I'm having fun. I think Sarah's having fun. Uh, fun. yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So we'll get to the rest of these, uh, I think three calls here. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up and then you can come talk to us on discord. Um, it's going to take a sec cause we're going to log into our personal accounts, but I'm going to be there and Sarah's going to be there. Um, so definitely come check us out, um, in the after show if you can. So anyway, let's go ahead and go to our next caller here. I want to talk to Gary in Colorado. Hey Gary, you're live on truth wanted. What's up? Hello, Sarah. Hello, Dan. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. You're, we're getting a little bit of uh, static on your end, but hopefully if you talk again, it'll have fixed itself. Okay. Is that any better? Yeah, that sounds a lot better. Okay, cool. I just moved the cell phone to the window so I have better reception. Cool. So anyway, um, so you guys doing good tonight? You guys all hunkered down in the hiding? Yeah, um, you know, we, we learned earlier that this virus probably isn't real. So this is all the char charade and we don't have to do this. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, no, I'm doing just fine. So, yeah, that's so partially, uh, well, one of the reasons why I was calling. Mm -hmm. What? I was joking. Now we're just doing it for fun. 
That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. We're just, you know, crashing the economy and everything else. So, and also, by the way, I also, when I post in the chat, uh, I go off of a Colorado biker prepper just to let you know. Um, cool. So people know who they're talking, who, who's talking anyway. Um, yeah, I was, I was calling because I kind of wanted to rebut David. Um, the earlier oh, caller yeah. who said, no, this doesn't exist. Right. Um, and partially to do that, but also, I wanted to speak to how a lot of people today, um, they're, they're really not adept at looking at the information that is presented to them and looking at it, you know, using epistemology to deal with it and, you know, try and figure out what's fact and what's opinion. Um, and because of that, it also leads to politicization of it. You know, people are on one side are saying one thing, one people on the other side are saying another thing. And that leads into a lot of confirmation bias sources. There's a lot of people out there that don't do the information, you know, or they don't they don't do the research, or they don't do other sources. They only look at one or two, and that can be really, really misleading. And I think that's what David. Uh, that's what happened to David. I think yeah. that he has been looking into this stuff a lot, and but he's only been going to certain sources. And those sources are probably very, very biased um, towards his point of view. Probably so. so. What's your guys' take? I mean, what do you think of that? So I made a a post on my Twitter, and I want to hear Sarah's take on this after I put this out. But I I made a post on my Twitter recently saying we really shouldn't be calling people conspiracy theorists. We should be calling them conspiracy allegationists because that's what they do. They make allegations. They make conjectures. Um, And I saw David making a lot of conjectures. Um, and, and we can speculate and do that all day, but that doesn't prove or really, really demonstrate anything, uh, as far as the truth value notice, like the way David was investigating this, he said, ah, well, here's this thing. Well, why are they doing this? Doesn't this contradict this? And why are they doing this? Like, yeah, there's a skepticism there, but it's not the same kind of skepticism that you or I might look at things immediately. The jump is, okay, how can we theorize what the real quote unquote thing is going on because it, and it's almost like the bias is skewed towards the information being presented to us can never be 100% the full story. It's never the full story. We and, never have the true story. Well, it's, it's right. Yeah. Let me, let me say something real quick. Mm-hmm. It's also the methodology in which the information is presented. You could take two exact things or you could take one thing and present it in two different ways. How you frame the narrative around yeah. it determines what kind of outcome that you will get later. I, I studied journalism. I, I studied journalism, methodology, and ethics. So I've got a little bit of insight into this. But you can take the same story and present it two completely different ways and it will lead to different results. And if you do not have other sources to compare and contrast it to, then you are going to make that decision that you've been led to. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a false binary uh, of options, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. that's where the politicization of this has come in is because we have already um, become in this false dichotomy, this false binary, you know, of, you know, left and right, conservative, liberal, whatever. Okay. And that is what is leading people down certain avenues and, and into certain media outlets. And there's a third one. And that third one is the conspiracy or the alternative media or the alternative 
viewpoints that usually are even more woefully wrong than the others combined. So you must keep in mind when you're consuming this media that we're getting now, that some of it may be sensationalized. It may be hyperbolic. And the reason that's done is to garner viewership and to garner people to watch so they can maintain their ad revenue for as long as it lasts. Yeah. And whether we like it or not, conspiracies are mainstream now. Like this isn't just a fringe. I mean, it is a fringe group of people who put a lot of this stuff out in some ways, but a lot of powerful people in this country believe in conspiracy theories now and, and make leadership decisions on a local state and federal level. Um, all of it is out there. So it's something that we have to address and engage with. I, I'm of the ethic that we can't just let this, we, we can't just let this go by itself. We have to talk about this. We can't slip it under the rug anymore and just call these people crazy and, and go on with the rest of our days We're we're long past that. We have to be more active in our talks about it, but yes, Sarah, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I want to hear too. It's so easy to fall into that cycle of just finding what you agree with. And sometimes, I mean, I definitely fall into this sometimes too. Um, You got to kind of catch yourself, but finding what you agree with and disregarding what doesn't fall into that um, and being able to look out for that and catch yourself doing that isn't necessarily a skill that's been taught to everyone, isn't necessarily a skill that everyone has. And that's, can become a really dangerous cycle. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say that most people have never have never learned how to um, to look at something skeptically, but also you know to look at contrary uh, information that disagrees with the way they view things and take on that. Yes, they may have a point here. There may be something that discounts. Sorry, that discounts the other side. Okay, or their own personal viewpoint, and that's part of the, um, the the binary, you know, this false dichotomy that we've fallen into, politically, socially, even economically, things like that. It, it's pervaded our society so much mm-hmm. that people have gotten into a habit of just looking at one side or the other, or completely ignoring, say, you know, a, a, a compromise, a middle ground, something else. So yeah. we've become so polarized and that's where people have really, really lost their way being able to, you know, use the epistemology, figure out what is fact from opinion. Yeah. I mean, check it out. I grew up most of my life in Waco, Texas. Okay. So the, the vast majority oh of people I talked to had the same beliefs I did because I got their beliefs from them. You know, uh, these, uh, a lot of kind of right leaning ideas. Uh, things that I don't really hold to be true anymore. Um, but my sources of information were just the people around me, just public school, just, uh, you know, uh, I had teachers who had a certain political leaning and I probably picked up on that. I picked up on that from my family and friends and, and, uh, that's how most people are getting their information. It's from other people in their lives. It's not necessarily from news sources that they're, you know, scrutinizing every single day. Um, which is why I, I, I like to make the social ethic of talking to other people in your real life is the most like important thing you can do. It is the most important thing you can do. I can have this show and talk to a bunch of atheists all day and that's great, but that doesn't do anything for the world. Yeah. Well, that's not entirely true, right? We give ourselves a sense of comfort and we evaluate our ideas and we, and we build things from there. But what I mean by that is we're not, we're not changing the minds of other people. 
if they're not looking at this, if they're not seeing this, people whose minds that we might be interested in changing or at least hearing their points of view from. So, yeah, I, it's important for people to have an active skeptic life, not just, hey, just, just talk on the Internet about this stuff. Try to talk to other people in real life because that's where people are getting most of their information from other people in real life. I saw an interesting um, study recently. They talked about this on the Scathing Atheist podcast of uh, people were talking about what you know when they thought of specific religions which person did they think of like uh, when they thought of buddhism the majority went to buddha for example you know and maybe some for like the dalai lama and some other people although um you know but when they talked about atheists uh a huge majority of people didn't have anybody (laughs) they don't have figures for that but one that they put was their friends and and sometimes family uh, was one that they put. So they're, they're listening to us. Like we're the ones uh, who represent kind of that field, you know, at least for atheism. Right. Um, so like, if you want to change people's minds, you're, you're probably one might be the only person in another person's life um, that might have the views that you do. Um, so it's good to just talk about this stuff with other people, not just other atheists. So Sarah, I think you had something else you want to say, and then uh, we'll go ahead and go to our next caller here. Talk about it. Jeff, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just you- make it short. Sorry, sir. Go ahead. Talk about gently because like you were saying, people are getting their information from other people in their lives, often important people in their lives. So when you're questioning what they're saying, you're not just questioning them, you're questioning their source too, which might end up getting personal for people. Or even if you are just questioning them, where wherever they got their source, if they just kind of came up with it on their own, you're still wanting to be sure you're not like attacking them because that's not going to be productive. It's just going to make people close off. So yeah. Just right. And remember- um, part, yeah, part, part of this false dichotomy that we've, we've had going for quite some time with, you know, left and right, you know, a versus B is that people have really internalized and psychologically taken in and internalized their sources and all that. And they don't look, they can't look at it objectively when you try and talk to them about opposing opinions and opposing viewpoints, because to them, it's not just an attack on their source. It's an attack on them. They've internalized it so much. And it's so, so much part of their identity that it's become dangerous. You know, it becomes an attack on them. And then they, then emotionally they won't deal with it. They won't deal with it. And they just stick their fingers in their ear and go, la, 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 la. And that's yeah. really hard to overcome. And I think that's one of the problems that David earlier had too, is he's of a certain mindset and he's just not willing to take on a contrarian viewpoint and to evaluate it uh, honestly, you know, intellectually, yeah. honestly. So that, that, well, that's a big problem with this. I, so, I don't want to speculate um, too much on, on David's psychology because I don't know him and that's just one phone conversation. I will say I did see a hint of contrarianism in him for sure. It was like whatever the yeah. official story was, again, what's the contrarian take we can bring to this? Um, because somehow we right. have to, and, and that's, that's part of that is, is more valuable than, than what's really there. So that, that's part of kind of a, a tribalistic, you know, duality, you know, my tribe versus your tribe mentality, you know, it, oh, you say that it's part of it psychologically, I would say so, but um, no, it's, that's about all I had to say, but I would just like to remind people that there's a lot of other sources out there for the media that you consume and take all of it with a grain of salt. Don't take it for red. 
research it yourself. Everybody's locked up in their house now anyway. What do you got better to do? Research yeah. your information, where it comes from. Um, one good, a couple good books that I would like to recommend to people um, is um, uh, Propaganda, okay, and Crystallizing Public Opinion. Okay, cool. really good books. I'm, I just drew a blank on the author. But if you read those books, um, you'll really understand how the human mind is susceptible to this information and how it's absorbed and how you uh, – Edward Bernays, sorry and, – and how you use it and how you, your epistemology. Um, they're both by Edward Bernays, and he's considered the father of consumerism culture and advertising as well. So and- if you read those two books, it'll give you – Oh, oh, the call just dropped there. That wasn't me this time, I promise. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for calling in, Gary. Thanks for telling us about those books. Um, that's definitely something people should check out if they're interested. I suppose it sounds like you made a, a, a pretty compelling uh, uh, argument for this person. Although I, I've never heard of him. I'd be curious to see what he has to say on media and stuff. But yeah, it's good to evaluate your sources and talk to people about this stuff. Again, I think the the main takeaway I have from that call is uh, talk to other people. Don't just be skeptical by yourself, Um, even though that's probably easier to do now more than ever. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Things are never going to be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Tupac Shakur, for the wonderful lyrics. Now, it looks like Lynn uh, dropped out, unfortunately. But we do have one more call here on the line and it is Dean Meadows from North Carolina. Dean, you're back at it again. The only theist donator <laughs> to truth wanted uh, like a year now. Still, nobody's taken that title. That's you, all you. So, so do I get a championship belt next time I come to you get Austin a gold star? Or... I'll give you a gold star if you want. <laughs> okay. I'll take, Hey, I'll take a gold star. I'm, I'm right. Beggars can't be choosers, so sure. there you go. Um, what what I wanted to talk about was the method of street epistemology, which is right in your wheelhouse. Okay. What about it? So one of the questions. So I'm a little bit confused about why. Um, I'm confused about the scaling for SE. So one of the things that seems like it takes place initially, and you can correct me anytime, but I'm. I'm wrong about how I lay this out because I'm no expert. It seems to me like when you're talking to your interlocutor on the, on the other end, you ask the question of, okay, well, how confident are you in your deeply held belief that it's true? Most of the time it's God. Well, how confident are you that uh, God exists or Christianity is true? And most of the time they say something like 90%, 100%. And so my, my question is, what how would you assess the difference between something like 90% confidence and say 85% confidence what's yeah. what are the variables there that that you would you would mm-hmm. look for what's the what's the calibration for 90% as opposed to somebody that's 85% so that's a fantastic question. Um, I remember the first time Anthony Magdabasco talked to me about my beliefs and asked me to put my beliefs on a scale. And I really didn't like that question. 
because I, I never thought of my beliefs on like a percentage scale and I didn't really understand how you could do that. Um, that's something that Peter Bogosian described in his first book, uh, the method of, of kind of a belief scale. And there's been debate in the SE community on how effective that really is. And I think there are some, like, I, I think it's a, a helpful place to start with, you know, just to kind of think about. But at the same time, I, most people aren't really thinking about their beliefs in percentages. So what you might get out of them is going to be kind of arbitrary to some degree, right? Like it has to be, unless it's 0%, or a hundred percent, anything in there is mm -hmm. going to be arbitrary. I think what it what it's really describing in numbers is a probability um, that uh, you know what someone might lean towards. So if you think that God is real, you're going to lean towards the higher percentages. Like you're going to pick an arbitrary number that's higher because you've already expressed a belief in that. You've have experiences that. Um, if someone like me that that doesn't think that anymore, yeah, that's going to be a lot lower. So I, I think it's more of a um, a sort of um, a description, a loose description of one's beliefs in a loose number form. But the actual, you know, um, nitty gritty of it, I agree, it becomes a bit arbitrary on on some level. And people, <laughs> that, that, to add to that, people are going to have different scales, <laughs> right? And there, and 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 how one person thinks of ninety percent is going to be different from how another person thinks of ninety percent. So there's some subjective elements going into that too. So, and I guess that's my my I guess my bone to pick a little bit with the method of SE. Not the person doing it, but the method mm -hmm. is that if it's just completely arbitrary and there's no distinct difference between seventy percent and a hundred percent or fifty percent and well no what i what I'm saying is it's somebody one person's sixty percent though Dan uh based upon their arbitrary subjective scale could be somebody else's eighty five yeah, well, but this is the heap fallacy, right. right? It's like, uh, because we can't figure out exactly when a heap starts, when we count grains of rice, doesn't mean that heaps don't exist. You know what I no, mean? No, that's, like, that's not where that's not where I'm going though. That's not okay. where I'm going. I'm not okay. going for well, a. Explain a to me a bit where you're going. I'm simply saying that because, so so where I'm going is that because it's arbitrary, wouldn't it be? And this is open for for questioning. Couldn't you say that the the scale really has more to do with, say, a psychological commitment rather than some type of, uh, you know, percentage on how much of this I think is true or not. Couldn't it just be, well, you know, I'm 65%, I'm, psychologically, I'm probably 65%, you know, there with Christianity as opposed to 90% rather than saying, well, I think that this is necessarily true. seems like to me, it's more, it's more of a description of where one is psychologically rather than where one is in their, their belief that the evidence is true. Well, I think, I think those two things might be, make sense. no, it completely makes sense. I think those two things might be one and the same though we might be splitting hairs because I think one psychological commitment to a belief is to me saying the same thing as their confidence in a belief being true. 
um, because obviously you have to have at least some, if you strongly believe in something being true, you have at least somewhat of a psychological commitment to it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but I could, uh, I could be psychologically committed to something, even though the evidence might not be strong or I might not, might not know the evidence of how strong it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's true. But, but the belief scale isn't describing how strong evidence is, mm-hmm. right? The belief scale is describing what one's feelings of their beliefs are. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's a description of how people relate to a subject. It's not a description of, of the evidence or the, you know, it doesn't have to be evidence, right? The things that they're using to yeah. uh, commit to their belief. So... So my other question about that is, and just because I don't know street epistemology, I'm trying to understand it more. I I don't know. Um, maybe I'll get it when I sit in your workshop at at Faithless Forum. Um, so, what is? The, I guess my question is, what's the point of identifying that scale? Well, like, so okay, yeah, is that go ahead to kind of know the type of person. Is that to? Is that to? know um, how aggressive a person might be based upon their confidence level, or is it to know more along the lines of, okay, um, this person um, may already be doubting their deeply held belief, or all right, this person's got a 98% confidence level, you know, for me to... What I think it does, Dean, is I think you hit the nail on the head already. I think it does describe someone's psychological commitment, um, and and we can kind of use that as a, a diagnostic uh, tool uh, to kind of figure out where to go from mm-hmm. there. Now, if you notice, when I use SE, it's actually pretty unusual for me to use the belief scale. I don't really use it that much, mm-hmm. even when I'm doing it on this show, and that's a stylistic choice. Um, there's other street epistemologists yeah. that don't use it at all. Um, because it's really just one tool in the toolbox. The belief scale is definitely not necessary to do SE. It's just it's okay. just one of many things. Um, you can definitely have okay. a whole conversation without it. But um, I think the purpose of that tool in the toolbox is, like you said, uh, to evaluate one's commitment. It's not to make an objective sort of inference on the value of the evidence for their belief. In fact, my opinions on their evidence for belief really doesn't matter in the belief scale sense. It's just what they think. We're using their own subjective criteria that they've made for themselves. And if there's a problem with that criteria, if, if we find that, oh, there are some you know, arbitrary stuff here going on, you know, we can kind of suss that out. Is it the per- most perfect tool in the world? No. But um, it's, it's mm-hmm. definitely a start um, to kind of figure out, okay, if this person is saying, there's a difference, Dean, when you're talking to somebody and they say, I 100% think that's true versus 0% think that's true. So there is a difference in people's you know, ways that they mm-hmm. approach it if they're saying it. Is there going to be a difference so, between some, one person 70% and one person 75%? Maybe not. But you, know, you can still learn gotcha. something about people. Yeah. So my, my last question is a, it's a, it's a it's a softball for you. Okay. Um, so one of the things that you know will be said, and I, and even before I knew, I used to say it too, um, is that 
in his book uh, that deals with SE, Peter Boghossian, A Manual for Creating Atheists, he says this is used for talking people out of their deeply held religious beliefs. Now, my question is, would you say, um, and maybe I'll just, as for humor, I'll just say, on a scale of zero to 100, how many people that practice street epistemology, by your estimation, use street epistemology in the way that Boghossian outlines it, or for the reason that Boghossian outlines it in his book? Well, I don't, I'm not sure of the exact quote there, but from what you're telling me, it sounds like the context is this can be used to get people out of their deeply held beliefs. So to me, that's just a descriptor. That's not necessarily, you know, the modus operandi of what street epistemology gotcha. is. I think, you know, there is some confusion there because of the book's marketing that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's called a manual for creating atheists. Like this is probably that title is probably the biggest bane of the street epistemology community because it adds to mm -hmm. a lot of confusion as to what a lot of people who do SE are doing. Um, am I interested in, in questioning people's deeply held beliefs? Absolutely. Am I interested in taking away those beliefs? Not necessarily. I think that's where the difference lies. And that's why, again, a, a lot of people who use SE make the point, you can use this on any belief. It doesn't have to be religious belief. In fact, you can use it on a lack of belief. Uh, there's plenty of videos of people doing SE with other atheists. Um, the more that we can demonstrate that this is a value neutral yeah. method, that this isn't just for, uh, you know, specifically one group of people, that being atheists, the more I think we can increase the value of using SE in just everyday situations and everyday life. I don't want SE to just be an atheist tool. Um, I would hate for that to be the case. I would want at least some form of SE to be used um, in all kinds of congregations, whether it be religious congregations, schools, you know, uh, whatever. I, I'd love to see people just using it in general. I don't care what they start off with. Um, that's not a criteria. You, the, you don't, it's not a prerequisite to be atheist to do SE for sure. Gotcha. Um, no, that's cool. I think that that opens up the, the dialogue about SE, what it's used for, and and actually eliminates some of the the stereotypes um, that come along with SE. So thank you for entertaining those questions. Next time I call, I want to talk to you about your statement earlier about philosophy and and uh, science. Yeah, so, sounds sexy, right Dean. Now, but, sounds yeah. real sexy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for calling only, in from, only you, Dan. <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, don't tell your wife. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, Dean from North Carolina calling in again. Thanks so much, later, Dean. I'll talk to All you right. later. You, you crazy son of a gun. I hope you're doing okay out there. I don't know what kind of provisions they're making in North Carolina, uh, for the virus, but Dean's a cool guy. Uh, we've met in real life. I don't know if I told that story. He came to Austin and we, and we hung out, uh, me and uh, Holy Kool-Aid and uh, Eric Murphy and some other folks. We, we kind of just talked. So uh, it's cool to have Dean as a friend, definitely. Um, thoughts, takeaways from that conversation? Not from the last one, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dean. I, Dean's called in before, so he, he goes straight to his questions. Like he's ready, and he, he asked me, and, you know, he doesn't push back as hard as I think he should sometimes. I wish Dean would push harder on me. I want him to ch test me because I know he's thinking. 
that man's always thinking, you know, um, you know, I, I don't think he's just softballing me questions just cause I think he, he, he does get something out of it, but I don't know. I'm not Dean. Um, anyway, folks, that is the last of our calls for tonight. Uh, so we are going to, uh, go to the discord in just a second, but first got to do a few plugs here. First of all, Hey, we have a merch store, uh, and there's the link to it down there, that bit.ly link to uh, bit.ly slash A-E-N merch. You can get some Truth Wanted stuff from the quarantine, man. Get you snuggled up in your Truth Wanted hoodie on your Truth Wanted pillow um, listening to Truth Wanted. I, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, and, of course, we also have a Patreon if you want to support the show. Again, uh, I don't make any money off of this. In fact, none of our volunteers who help make this show uh, are making money. We only have uh, one person who, who 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 gets it, and that's our producer. Other than that, everybody that uh, you know does stuff for the ACA, we're all doing it as as volunteers. So um, keep that in mind if you want to donate to Patreon.com/slash/TruthWanted. You're showing the ACA that hey, you believe in Truth Wanted, you believe in this project, and you want to support them even further. If you haven't already, and you're watching this from uh, uh, Matt's stream, hey, come subscribe to the YouTube channel. Come give me a like. Or you can find this show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you want to get your podcast. Oh, <laughs> there's a crew cam. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. We have uh, we have a, a security camera access to the uh, uh, to the studio, and as you can see, uh, nobody's in there. Everybody who's on the call tonight is uh, working from home. Also, our audio engineer Vern is is working from home, and Mark, our producer, is working from home, and they're they've been listening to me ramble and talk this whole time. So thanks again. Shout outs to the crew again, who made this solution possible. Uh, and they're really awesome. Again, volunteering their time to do that. I want to give a special thanks to Sarah uh, for being on the show today. Sarah, where can people find you at? On YouTube is Sarah, unholy Sarah. And on Twitter, I'm at Sarah underscore unholy, I think. Okay. And uh, if you had to close out this show with, with one thing, one message to give to the world, what would you say? Can I close it out the way I close all my videos? Yeah, what's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the thing you close out with your videos. Stay unholy, my friends. Stay unholy, my friends. I like it. Uh, well, folks, thanks again for tuning in to another fantastic episode of Truth One. And stay safe out there. Uh, also, message the show. It's truth at atheist-community.org. Let me know how you're coping with the virus. Um, and, and message me on Twitter at objectively Dan as well. I, I want to hear from you guys. Um, got some emails in that I need to respond to from you guys because I look at all of them. Uh, but thanks again to you guys for supporting the show. And uh, I couldn't be doing this without you. It's been really great. And I'm glad we're back. Uh, so next time, another fantastic fan cast of Tiger King. Maybe not. Maybe we'll drop the, the Tiger King thing. But until next time, remember to always keep wanting the truth. And I'll see you next time. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? No, 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 no. No, you're done.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.